Today's podcast episode is brought to you by our very own annual She Did It Her Way Summit. You guys, this year we are going completely virtual, which makes me so excited because I know some of you who are across the pond, across other parts of the world, have always expressed to me that you've wanted to come in person, but for whatever reason you couldn't make it. And now we all get to hang out together because it is virtual this year. And I'm excited to share with you that we're going to be kicking off Friday, October 23rd and going all day on Saturday, October 24th. This year we are unpacking some of the most important topics and key things that you need to know and learn before making your ultimate leap from understanding exactly who your customer is, how to put together a financial plan, and how to do sales and marketing along with other topics. You guys, I'm so excited to learn more and check out this year's She Did It Her Way Summit. You can head on over to SheDidItHerWaySummit.com. Again, it's SheDidItHerWaySummit.com. Welcome to the She Did It Her Way podcast, where it's all about making the ultimate leap from your nine to five and building a business and life you love, all while doing it your way. I'm your host, Amanda Bolin. Let's get started. Hello, She Did It Her Way listeners. Welcome back to another episode of the She Did It Her Way podcast. I'm so excited to welcome back today's guest. Uh, it's also a special guest and we'll talk about our story. She, uh, the lovely Tess Wicks, who was part of She Did It Her Way way, 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 way back at the inception of it back in 2015, which is crazy that we're already in 2020. Tess Wicks is a business coach and mentor for new and aspiring money coaches. Her mission is to bring more financial literacy and confidence to the world by bringing more money coaches to the world. Through Tess's signature program, The Wealthy Coach Blueprint, Tess helps her clients create life-changing coaching packages, attract their ideal clients, and make a great income while making a bigger impact. Tess is also the host of the Wander Wealthy podcast, a show that has evolved along with Tess's own career, going from financial educator to money coach to business mentor for money coaches. Tess runs her business from Switzerland, where she spends her free time learning Italian, searching for the best margarita in Europe and FaceTiming with her nieces and nephews back in Iowa. Tess, welcome to the show. Yay, thank you for having me. <laughs> this is so fun to have you back. And there's so much that we're going to unpack about your business and your journey. And um, I know we'd like talk about a little, well, we'll touch on, you know, the beginning stages of she did it her way and kind of how we met. And it's so fun because we're, this is just, this is truly two very good friends just hopping on the, like getting on, having the mic and sharing business journeys. So tell us in your own words where you're at, and then let's go to your journey about how, how, and when you made the leap. And I'm sure some of the other stuff about she did it her way and like our friendship, um, how it was cultivated will just come out naturally in that. So tell us, okay, you're in Switzerland. People are probably like, what, how did an Iowa girl get to, Switzerland, like tell it. Yeah. Just start. Cause this is an incredible story. And I think it just demonstrates what's possible when you have a location independent business and you can travel the world and work from anywhere. Well, maybe right now we're limited in the U S but right. nonetheless, um, give us your spiel and give us your story. Oh my gosh. Where do I start? Yeah. Okay. I will answer first. I'll, oh my gosh. You've played every, you've played a role in every step of this because the reason I'm in Switzerland now is because, uh, when was it? Three years ago, mm -hmm. a little over three years ago, I met my now legal husband. We still are waiting on our official wedding, but yes. thank you, COVID. Me too. I'm still waiting too. <laughs> 
So I met my official husband or my legal husband in Barcelona, Spain through an opportunity that Amanda, you and I were taking part in back in the day. And we were in Barcelona and I don't know, it just, I saw him and I was like, dang, he has a nice booty. Literally. (laughs) That's what I thought. Um, he is Italian. So I, after about a year of dating long distance and traveling back and forth, I moved to Italy to study Italian. Like it was for real, but I just like needed a reason to move to Italy. Um, Mm. and then after I think about a year of that, we got engaged and then we got legally married and then he got a job transfer or change and that moved us over to Switzerland. So that's how that went. And along the way, I took my business with me and it has actually flourished being away. And I remember having a conversation Mm. with you when I was thinking about like, is it gonna be possible for me to, at the time I was doing money coaching and I was like, I don't know if it'll be possible for me to really grow this business abroad. And that was one of the big sticking points for me. And I just did it anyway and figured it out. And it actually was great. It was a great decision. Yeah. And I feel like in addition to talking about, okay, your coaching business, your journey on how you got to where you are today and unpacking that, there's also that aspect of, you know, you really have taken your business and proven that you can run it from anywhere. And obviously there's tweaks and changes that come along with it and maybe different hours that you work, but all that to say that demonstrating that it is possible. So let's back up a little bit, just a little backstory. Tess and I met at a conference called Succeed Faster. I think it was in 2011, I believe. Oh my gosh. Probably. Yeah, it was in, yeah, it was in 20, yeah, 2011 or 2012. I'm going to say, actually, I don't know, but it was, does it matter? It was a long time ago. (laughs) Yeah. And, um, I think I was still living in Des Moines, Iowa. So we're both from Iowa, but we are from different cities in Iowa. And we met at an airport at the conference called succeed faster. And then I think you were graduating a year later. I had already moved to Chicago and we just decided like, Hey, want to be roommates. So Mm -hmm. we became roommates and, um, let's, I'll have you pick up the journey there because that's really starting that you were working as an actuary. Yes. Yes. I was working as an actuary. I would spend my nights and weekends studying because when you're an actuary, you have to take a bunch of exams. And I remember this like kind of pivotal moment. I had bought my condo. We moved into my condo and that was kind of my first venture into like, oh, I can make money renting out my condo. You were my first, my first (laughs) tenant for my investment property. And I remember one time we like got in a little tiff and I was just like so unhappy. And I think I like stormed up to my bedroom and (laughs) cried. And then I was like, oh my gosh, I hate my job. I've been building this career that I absolutely loathe and I didn't see a way out. And I mean, I don't know when this even fell, like what time or what point, whether she did it her way, I'd already started or not, but it really was like this pivotal moment for me that then of course I like went in and we like laid in bed together and talked about our lives. I know. I feel like we have a very sisterly relationship where like we can be tiffy with each other and be moody. And then we're like, okay, I'm sorry. Like let's be friends again. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I mean, that's just what happens when you live with someone for a long time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, when, when the, she did it her way podcast started, it was such a great opportunity for me to kind of get involved in, in things outside of 
work and it also was just so much fun to grow it and and listen to all these interviews from other women who mm. were truly inspiring and eventually i had invested in a program um a lot of money into a program because i thought i was going to build a saas company and I, I mean, I guess I could have, but it was really for me, this vehicle or this, this kind of bridge opportunity for me to say, okay, I'm willing to invest in myself to do something other than continue to be an actuary. And I decided that that would be the thing I could like put all my heart and soul into if I left my job. Um, and I remember talking to one of the leaders of the program about his experience leaving his job. And I remember talking to you about it. And you were really one of the catalysts that helped me see that, you know, there's like at the time, and I think this happens when you're in the corporate world and you've never dabbled with making money outside. And you've, mm. especially if you've followed a very specific career and a career path that's been laid out for you, all you think is that that is what you're capable of doing. So for me, it was a really challenging and a big growth period to to realize that there's more than just crunching numbers and doing data all the time. Yeah. Um, I think so, that's a really big point too. Like you were saying, there's so much of an identity with whatever role it is that we have in corporate America that to see that it's possible and that we're capable of doing something outside of it is really challenging for the brain to the brain and the ego to wrap its mind around and so yeah, to your yeah. point, there's like this whole other world out there that exists beyond, you know, our world. And step one is just becoming exposed and aware of it. Exactly. It's crazy because at the time I felt like such a failure for walking away. And mm -hmm. I felt like, oh my gosh, I like, I guess I'm not cut out for this. And if it's not making, I knew like, if it's not making me happy, I shouldn't be doing it. But at the same time I was like, well, I gave up being an actuary and it's so interesting because at the time, some of my colleagues and coworkers were like, oh, I'm so jealous that you like mm. didn't get so far down the road that then it was harder to give up because you can make really good money climbing the ranks as an actuary and passing exams. And they were really like expressing their jealousy of being able for me to be able to kind of like let it go and try something new. Um, and now looking back, I'm just like so glad that I did. But obviously at the time, you know, you feel all these conflicting emotions and it can be hard to really make that break. Yeah, I know. I remember it was, and I see this happen so often too, is that when someone's thinking about, okay, I want to quit my job. Do I quit my job? And I went through this as well. It's like you go into work one day and it's a really crappy day and you use that as evidence to say, okay, now I'm quitting. But then you go in the next day and it gets easier or it's a better day or you get an accolade or someone you know, compliments you and you're like, oh no, I can really do this. And so your brain is like one foot on the dock, one foot on the boat. And it's super dramatic. I remember for mine, it was full of tears, full of frustrations. And it's almost like we can make decisions without being dramatic about it. It's just getting- You literally old. just explained how to break up with a guy that's bad for you. <laughs> <laughs> this is how you break up with a job that's bad for you. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, truly. I know. And I remember that day that you, it was your last day and you did a little hurrah of happy hour with your friends. And the next day it was like, okay, what am I doing? And, and so I would love for you to walk us through chronologically. So you had left your job in, was it the end of 2014? 
It was May, actually, May of 2015. May of 2015. Okay. Because mm-hmm. so much has changed from May 2015 to now August 2020 in five years. And I think I would love for you to kind of chronologically unpack your journey because I think it's important for people to recognize, and I still remind myself of this as well, that when we see people in their zone of genius and their sweet spot and they're like, thriving. We think that it's happened overnight and it, it found them and it was always that way, but Mm. it's not like it takes (laughs) years and, you know, highs and lows and tears and frustrations to really find the stride and problems don't go away at different stages of building your business. They just change. So I would love for you to take us from, you know, May 15 to up to where it is today. Okay. There we go. Buckle <laughs> I didn't up. prep you with that question. So I'm putting no, you on the spot. I mean, just got to remember how the years split up. I don't even know. In or just May, like high level themes of like where your business was at, what you thought you were doing, how it changed, how you pivoted yeah. and then how you got to today. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I left my job without a real plan and I probably wouldn't recommend that to anyone, but I really just like, I almost needed that. I had I don't know. I had saved up and I was scrappy to be able to literally like if we can paint the picture, Amanda, you're renting out my spare bedroom. Mm-hmm. When you're gone traveling, we're renting it out to Airbnb. Yes. <laughs> you're away, which is so savvy because you got into your place, you're renting it out to a roommate. And then you're also making additional money while I'm away. Cause I was traveling. Exactly. Yes. Yes. And so I just got scrappy. And I think a lot of people wouldn't be willing to do something like that to be able to buy themselves some time and some breathing room, but that significantly cut down on my cost of living, which was really a blessing. And in that process, you know, I really quickly realized I wasn't ready to build a SaaS company or it just like, it didn't fit with my timeline. And instead, you know, really continued to focus on helping build She Did It Her Way. And through She Did It Her Way, I actually met someone that we interviewed very early on, um, Ashley Logan from Yakety Yak. And Yakety Yak is a content marketing company. And honestly, when I say she took a bet on me, I mean, she took a bet because she was hiring a content strategist. And um, she, she, the firm was fairly small at the time. And I was probably one of the first kind of more full-time contractors, but we signed a contract and she took a bet on me to write content and create social media posts and kind of do content strategy. When I literally, my experience in content creation was through, she did it her way and that's it. And so I, you know, just sent some, some things her way. And she was like, all right, you seem trustworthy and let's do this. <laughs> but that was such a blessing because it really helped me learn, you know, the power of copywriting and yeah. how to create content and how to write quickly and come up with headlines and just really understand how you can create an entire business based off of content creation and, and having an online presence. And so being able to do that gave me the confidence to kind of explore an area of interest that I really wanted to talk about, which, you know, pretty frequently came back to money because I had a financial background and actuarial science is actually much more 
finance than what you might think. A lot of people think it's science and it has nothing to do with that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I felt confident in that area. And I was like, okay, I can create content around money. And the people that I really wanted to serve were my peers, my friends who I knew were really struggling in the financial realm. You know, we really didn't have access to female financial role models or that sort of education easily accessible. It was very much the early days of um, any sort of podcast that would talk about money. So at the time I was like, okay, I've been able to do She Did It Her Way. I've been able to create content. And that's when I started the about basically January of 2016 was when I started the Words and Money podcast. And obviously now it's the Wander Wealthy podcast, but at that time it was lovely words and money. I just invented it out of my head. I was like, we're going to talk about money. There we go. So with the podcast, you know, that helped me just really feel into my expertise, but I'll say I wasn't making any money doing that. The only way I was making money in like the financial world was actually through freelance writing for other um, financial companies, basically, and financial blogs. And it took me a long time to really feel confident that I could create a transformational experience for people and I could actually work with them and teach them and guide them through their own financial journey. Um, I hired my first business coach during that year and really, I literally dabbled with trying to do everything. I tried to do affiliate marketing and tried to make money through blog sponsorships and tried so many things and really, you know, didn't make a ton of money doing much of anything other than the content strategy I was still doing. And then I think I finally launched my first course that might now, I might now be skipping into 2017 because honestly, between 2016 and around, I would say the end of 2018, I was going through this phase of wanting to serve individuals with their personal finances and wanting to help entrepreneurs with their business finances. And I was really conflicted and not willing to choose, which really slowed my progress down. Um, I definitely battled like imposter syndrome and just really not knowing if I could truly help people. And I think that's something huge that I see so many aspiring coaches deal with today. And if it's like one thing I'd love to help people overcome, that's probably it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I know, and so in 20, from 2016 up into 2018, and I remember that too, it was this, do I focus on helping people with individual finances and and money and like money management and money mindset um, versus going with business owners, right? Because it's two Mm -hmm. very different markets and how you market and write copy for those individuals or those people in those two buckets is very different. So what sort of advice do you have? And for someone who's tuning in and listening to this podcast that is kind of finding themselves in this same position where they are like, oh, I really want to go after because I really want to go after these two groups of people, but I know that I need to decide one of them. How would you coach or what advice do you have for that listener? Yeah. So what I have my clients do is really identify first and foremost, you know, you, you can interview both groups and I would highly suggest to do market research because Mm -hmm. not only are you going to get so much information out of that, but you're also going to know if you actually enjoy working with them and you're going to know if you're capable of solving their problems. Mm. And once you get 
you know, you can go to these two groups and really keep that market research segmented into those two different, you know, databases, identifying not only if you can help them, but in what way they would really like your help and how you could truly serve them and, and help them through a transformation. What would that look like? And of course, how much would they be willing to pay for it? Because at the end of the day, we are building a business. So you want to make sure that they're willing to pay something. Mm -hmm. And so once you've validated that, then, you know, if you feel like, okay, I could honestly serve both of these niches. I could honestly make great money working with both of them. They've outlined some really tangible and great, you know, programs that I could offer, then you just have to choose one. And in that regard, I would say, choose the one that you would have the most fun and you are the most interested in and kind of fascinated with and the work that you would truly enjoy doing. Because at that point you validated those niche markets and now you just get to choose, but definitely make, making that decision, you're going to move so much faster. And then eventually you'll get to a point where maybe you can take on that other niche market as well. And that, that essentially is what I ended up doing is throughout that kind of two year span, I tried the business finance and I just got so overwhelmed with imposter syndrome because I just didn't know if I really knew enough, which was obviously a lie, but I decided, okay, I'm going to go back and I'm going to go hard on personal finance. And I created a YouTube channel and I created all, that's when I created my courses. And then I really focused on launching my coaching program. And that's when everything really took off for me was when I like finally made that decision. And then I got to a point where I was like, now I can pivot back into working and supporting entrepreneurs when the time presented itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one of the things when you're explaining all of these transitions that you're taking, it, it reminded me of the scenario where if you're, you know, there's the market research piece. And then at the end of the day, sometimes we're, we're so afraid to pick something because we think that we're going to pick the wrong thing. And the truth is, is that when we omit the fact that there is no wrong decision or right decision, there's only decisions. It's mm -hmm. choosing something, picking something, and then using that experience to be like, oh yeah, this is exactly what I want or no, it's not what I want. Right. But the sooner we make a decision, the sooner we're going to find out and really understand that. And so at the end of 2018, cause then you, you were individuals and then went back to businesses. And then where was the transition that you decided you're like, okay, I actually want to teach money coaches. I want to help money coaches. Cause you built a successful coaching business working with individuals. And mm -hmm. so now you're teaching the teacher. So where was that transition in your journey? Yeah. So that transition happened about two months into 2020, actually. So mm -hmm. for all of 2019, I really ramped up my coaching business and hit my stride and finally kind of figured out how I could truly show up and, and offer this, this life-changing program and book out my coaching business. And <laughs> around the same time, like near the end of 2019, I was going through my own certification of getting more, uh, getting more education and kind of tools in my tool belt when it comes to mindset work. So neuro-linguistic programming and hypnotherapy and all that good stuff. And that really helped me see how I could be a better coach and also gave me the tools to really help me 
however many years ago, what was it like just a couple years ago Mm -hmm. in that phase where I truly just like had such low, not low, but little self-belief in my ability to really be a leader in the space. And so when I graduated from my, or I got certified, I guess, I don't know if you graduate, but when I (laughs) got certified, I had then kind of looked at it as a time to really take it to the next level. And I was also noticing, this is a weird thing that I don't know if it just happens in the money coaching space, but when you have a, a, an account like on Instagram, when you, when you become a money coach or a, a financial blogger or something like that, all the other people start following you who are also money coaches and financial bloggers. And it's kind of like this little incestual pool of people just like following each other. And I was like, there's a really good opportunity here because I saw a lot of them doing and making the same mistakes that I was making over the two years of my, of my kind of trial and error process. And I was like, now that I know better and I know it does not have to take that long and it does not have to be that painful. I'd really love to be able to offer just a step-by-step process plus the mindset work, plus the accountability to actually follow through with what you're committing on in a program and offer that to money coaches. So we can, you know, bring more financial literacy to the world by having more money coaches out there impacting more lives. And so I just saw that as uh, an opportunity that came about and that really, you know, made me feel like this is, the aligned step that I am meant to take. Like, I love talking about business. I love, I've always loved that. And I was never in the past knowing if, you know, can I really talk about business? I haven't built my quote unquote successful business yet. Mm. And after getting to the point where, you know, I think we're always still like, I was talking to my, my husband about this, um, in the early time when I was thinking about making this offering to money coaches, I was like, well, my business is definitely successful, I guess. Like I'm booked out and I I work with, I have a full roster of clients and it's everything that I thought I wanted, but you know, everything, our success measure just is constantly increasing. So I'm like, well, it's not at the place where I planned on it being at the end of Mm -hmm. 2020. And it's like, of course it isn't, but there's something so powerful that you can offer that I could offer at the moment to people who we're at the position where I was, you know, two to three years back. So yeah, it was just a great time for me to step into that. I think that's such an important um, piece to hit on too, that um, everybody's definition of success is different, right? And we might think that, oh, you know, I've done my version and I'm just throwing out numbers there. Let's say your success demonstration is like building a coaching business that's $65,000 in revenue. But then we look at someone else and we're like, yeah, but you know, hers is a quarter of a million. So until I get mine, how do I define mine as success? And so then we kind of bottleneck ourselves from actually spreading the love and teaching other people because we've made this condition as to what success means. And we've made it conditional that we can't go or do things outside of it until we reach that level. And I think that goes back. I know one of the things that you have shared is that like best piece of advice is that as long as you're one step ahead of your client, as long as you're one step ahead, we are so capable of helping others. Yeah. I mean, I like plain and simple, I can share the numbers. I made $90,000 in 2019 with my coaching business. And 
I think, you know, honestly, because there's so much marketing material out there about the 10K month, like that, mm. oh my gosh, that pinnacle <laughs> 10K month, it was like, well, 90K is in a 10K month. But guess what? I need, and that was revenue, by the way. So I think I paid myself 50 of that. Right. I need 40 to live a really good life. At the time, I was living in Northern Italy and our, our rent was 800 bucks a month. I didn't even pay it because- I lived with my husband who had been living there for years. I didn't need any, I didn't need that much to live on, to live a really good life. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we, we mistake is like so many of us have just like inflated what success means because marketing has really stepped its game up and just constantly raised the bar that so many of us feel like failures because we're making a really good income of $60,000 a year. You know, mm. it's like, if you're doing that, you can take home 30 of it. Like you're doing an amazing job. Mm. It is hard enough to make 1K a month, right? Like it's, it's really, really great that you can produce money out of nothing. I mean, that is something in and of itself. Yeah, that is success. And uh, tell us more to walk us through, you had touched on, and I've talked about this on other podcast interviews too, is that you know, the 10 K month, I think it's very easy. And I was naive, like, oh my gosh, when I was doing independent contract work, when I was 24, I was like, oh, I'm making all this money. And it's like, mm, well, you may have like 10 K months, 15 K months, but that doesn't go into your pocket. And even as someone right. who studied finance and accounting, it's like, how did I not think that? And so like bringing back to the realness that like, I think that what you're saying, the marketing, like we've gotten so good at marketing, okay, your six figure business and all of this, when in reality, it's like, okay, that might be the marketing, but let's peel back the curtain and let's walk through the cost of, you know, actually running a business. So I'd love for you to share just a little bit more on, you know, what you had shared earlier about you made 90,000, but, and you paid yourself X amount of that. Yeah. I mean, do you want me to walk through how I create my purpose-driven revenue goals? Sure. Do you want me to share it. the breakdown of what I spend money on in my business. <laughs> now let's do the purpose driven. Give someone okay. who, cause someone who's listening, who isn't as, you know, they're kind of like, okay, I want to get into business or they're maybe just started in their mm -hmm. online business, walk through the financials, the profit, how do they, you know, really look at every dollar that comes into their business. Yeah. So I like to follow profit first and I'm sure yes. Amanda has talked about it a bunch. Love my followers. Um, go get the book. But there is a way that you can actually reverse engineer profit first to create some amazing goals for yourself when it comes to your revenue. And especially if you are someone who's like currently side hustling and you're just trying to figure out what's it going to take so that I can take this full time. I always recommend looking at your current, we always start with your, your personal cost of living. Mm -hmm. Like what do you need in income? And this is going to be like, don't even think about you know, okay. And then we got to add for tax. Like, don't think about that. Don't think about a salary. Think about like, how much money do you need to be deposited into your bank account every single month? And then make sure you add an annual and annualize it all up, but find the annual dollar amount that you need to pay your bills, to put some money away. Maybe you're paying off debt. Maybe you want to save, maybe you want a little bit of retirement and of obviously some discretionary spending money on groceries and gas and 
restaurants and coffee shops and all that good stuff. But this is all personal spending. So if you can get a total dollar amount of what that looks like, like I had said, mine was $40,000. I needed about $3,000 a month. And that included being able to save a hefty amount into retirement. And so being able to find like you could, you can even be, make it $41,327, like make it as exact as you want, because mm. it's going to really feed into a true purposeful goal. Once you do that for your personal life, then I'd take it and do it for your business. The exact same thing, total up all of the costs that you currently have to pay for to keep your business running. And this is likely going to be the same cost you'll be paying for even when you take your business full time. Uh, but just define what are all of the costs. A lot of us pay annual, you know, things for like website hosting, or maybe we choose the annual plan because it feels cheaper or it is logically cheaper. So make sure you, you get the annual number. So you get all those annual things that you spent one time per year and then any monthly recurring things. Total that all up. If you have something that's like, well, you know, my internet is technically partially a business expense, keep it in the personal side. It's just a tax benefit for later. So don't worry about that here. But if you total up all of your business expenses, that's the second step is like, what do you need when you are going to take this full time? What are those costs going to be? So mine was, I want to say $20,000, um, which is probably a little bit high, but let's just say, okay, mine, 40,000 personal income that I needed to live off of and 20,000 business expenses that I was going to be spending throughout a full year. So if you total that up, that's $60,000. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now we need to account for taxes. Uncle Sam and your yes. business, if you do the profit first method, your business pays your taxes on your behalf, which is awesome. So that's why you don't have to worry about that when you're thinking about what do I need to live on? So a good rule of thumb just to start with is 15 to 20%. So pick your percentage. Let's go with 20 because it's a nice round number and you want to get to the decimal point of this percentage. So when you have a percent, 20%, you divide it by 100 to get the decimal. So it's 0.2. And then you also want a little, you know, a little profit, right? You want to make your business a little profitable. And this is the, from a personal finance perspective, we say pay yourself first. This is like profit first, right? It's mm -hmm. putting some profit away of every dollar you make. And so let's again, go for a round number. So we're going to do, um, let's do 5% as profit that you want to make. And again, you want to decimalize it. So take it, divide it by 100 and you get 0 0.05 as a decimal point. So if you add up 0 0.2 plus 0 0.05, you get 0.25. And then you're going to, this is where we get really purpose-driven revenue goals worksheet. It's a, what is it? Wanderwealthy.com slash roadmap. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it, I'll take you through the math. So you don't have to worry about this, but so you say take $60,000 and that's going to be on the top of your equation and you divide it by one minus 0.25. So it's actually going to be $60,000 divided by 0.75. And what you end up getting as a result from that equation is your purpose-driven revenue goal. So 60,000 divided by 0.75 for me, my purpose-driven revenue goal is $80,000. $80,000 per year. And this is after, you know, building my business and working in it and and finding this point where it's like I don't need that six-figure year. I don't need that 10k month. I need $80,000 to live a really good life. And mm -hmm. 
being able to shoot past it means I'm on my way to my next level goal. So I do need, want, and dream goals. And it, it helps me see kind of where I'm following and that I'm on pace to get to my dream eventually. And I'm just working my way up. Yeah. I love that. We'll have to have you come in and do a training for Coach Your Way Academy students too on all of this. I think it's fantastic. And this is like the profit first method is so helpful in getting clear on what you're saying, the purpose-driven revenue goal. And even when I was a contractor, some months I would make $5,000 in revenue. Other months it would be $17,000 in revenue. And it was so hard for me to really um, create that consistency among month to month and understanding, okay, how much do I actually need to pay myself versus taking the money out in different amounts as it came into the business. So it like really helps create consistency amongst the revenue every single month so that we can actually like get clear on how much we need and we're not being distracted by these like shiny balls of like six figures and things like that. Not to say that if you want to make six figures, multi six figures and multi seven figures, that it's a bad thing, but it's like, we just need to start somewhere in the beginning because stuff takes time. So yeah, yeah, I love that. What are three actionable items you recommend new business owners doing when they're just starting out? Good question. I, number one is absolutely taking the time to validate your niche market. I would say, you know, try to sit down and get on 10 interviews with people who you want to, you you know, you think are potentially your ideal clients and the people you really want to be working with or ideal customers and identifying what's getting in their way, what their goals are, what their biggest frustration points are, and then seeing if, you know, they'd be willing to pay for something to solve that and what they'd be willing to pay and all of that good stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's number one. Um, and if that's not actually like a hundred steps, I don't know what is, but <laughs> number two is to identify your, if, especially if you're in service-based entrepreneurship, then identify your core process. What is your signature like method or process or program that maybe you've personally taken yourself through that has gotten you from probably where your ideal clients are currently at to where you're currently at, or at least a stepping stone along the way, right? Again, you only have to be one step ahead. So wherever they want to be that you've already achieved and you're kind of moving past that. Mm -hmm. And if you can identify that starting point, that end point and the steps in between, and then articulate it into a transformational, like tangible process that you know, obviously it's not like physically tangible, but they can actually see those steps and they can envision themselves going through those steps. You're going to be so much better off than just kind of offering like one-on-one coaching or, um, a run of the mill generic service that everyone else is also offering. Mm. So that's number two. And number three, what would number three be? I think number three would be about just building traction and like getting out and not just worrying about creating content, but also like getting in front of the people who you want to be working with and being like, hey, just letting you know I exist. I'm here. No hard sell or anything, but like I'm just here. And then developing Mm -hmm. a relationship with them because 
that's going to manifest into market research and potentially paying clients. And that's exactly what you want. So don't get distracted. Yeah. And I love that you um, talk so much about that market research because I have learned so much through discovery calls with potential clients that didn't pan out to a client around, okay, now I've identified this trait in people. Like I don't want to work with those people, or maybe like there's opportunity for me to improve somewhere, right? Like every conversation is such a learning opportunity for Mm -hmm. so many different things. And I love that you definitely stress, like just get on the phone and talk to people and we can learn so much more about our product, our service by having conversations instead of spending time building out all these things before we even have a conversation. Right. And I know that it can feel weird. Like I am the shyest person. (laughs) I used to make Amanda like call people for me because I was so afraid of, I don't know, rejection. You're not the only one. My brother made me like call on cars when we were younger. He's like, I wanted this car. Will you call this ad? He's like, will you call and see if they have beanie babies? I'm like, you guys (laughs) are the best because you have prepared me for this role today. I am not afraid to talk to anyone. (laughs) Exactly. And I, you know, it gets better with time, obviously. And I'm so used to it now. It comes so naturally to me, but it was definitely a skill I had to develop because in the beginning, I was like, who would ever be willing to talk to me about their money and like what they're struggling with? And who am I to even ask for that? But like, again, like all things, you have to start somewhere and you're going to develop your expertise so much faster. The more you try to fail, then the more you avoid failure. Yes, I totally Yes, yes, yes. So much. Like if we try to avoid failure, we're going to get nowhere. Yeah. It's like the indecision thing. It's like Mm. you don't decide because you're afraid. And if you decide, you decide, if you decide you're afraid you'll pick the wrong decision. So then you just don't decide, right? If you put Mm. yourself out there, you're afraid you'll be rejected, which is like one of our deepest human fears. But if you don't put yourself out there, then you're just going to stay where you're at. And there's nothing scarier than that. Than mm-hmm. not growing. Mm-hmm. Amen. I know that is true. Like the pain versus the pleasure. To me, it's much more painful to stay where I'm at than having the comfort of there's the comfort of staying where you're at. And then there is the pain of staying where you're at and not growing. Mm-hmm. And the pain of staying exactly where I'm at and not growing is worse than the pleasure I would gain of staying where I'm at. And so, and Tony Robbins talks a lot about that, the pain versus pleasure. So I love it. Um, okay. This has been amazing. I'm so grateful. And it's such an honor to have you as a friend and then also have your time and energy for coming on the show. Um, let's tell, you know, let's go into rapid fire. What is something in your life that is a non-negotiable? Sleep. Yeah. I love sleeping. <laughs> you do love sleep. It's so good. Yeah. Have you tried it? It's amazing. I know. I love sleep too. It's amazing. I definitely, yes. Nothing more needs to be said about sleep. You and your eye mask. Oh my gosh. You guys, about. if you don't sleep with an eye mask or earplugs, ear you're missing out. Like <laughs> that is the go-to. And now that I have an aura ring that I wear when I sleep, I can tell like my sleep score and my heart rate variability. And it's definitely different on a night after drinking two glasses of wine than not Mm -hmm. having wine. So, um, yeah, it definitely makes you rethink every time I'm going to grab a glass of wine. I'm like, Oh man, my sleep score. Anyway, what is the one thing where you get your inspiration from? 
Probably, oh, probably from, uh, oh, from travel, I would mm-hmm. say, or from like knowing that that's kind of the goal is to constant, not constantly, but to live a life of being able to uh, be free, be free mm-hmm. from, from a lot of time commitments. I don't mind obviously having my coaching calls, but being able to freely choose when I work and where I work and how I work. Yeah. So good. What is something that you believe that others may think is insane? Mm. I, I have a very unconventional approach to building business. And I think my entire program that I offer is people probably think is insane. Like, I don't think you need a website or an email list or even a program to sell a coaching program. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No, I love that. It's so much like prove and validate before spending time and energy creating something that you think people want. Create what people tell you they want. Exactly. Yeah, I love it. What is the best $100 or less purchase someone can make in their business? So shameless plug, but the online coaches pricing workbook, which is a workbook that I wrote to help you price your services, especially if you're a coach. And I think that's such a stopping point for so many people. So if you are like, I don't know how to price and you're just like giving everything away for free, stop that right now. Go Mm -hmm. buy this $27 workbook. It's going to change your life. I love it. That's amazing. Awesome. Well, Tess, thank you so much for coming on today's podcast. Where can my listeners connect with you and learn more about you, your journey? And if someone wants to be a money coach, where do they go? Thank you for having me. It's been fun just chatting like we always do, basically. (laughs) I'd love if you guys would come follow me on Instagram because that's where I hang out and spend almost all of my time. I'm at Tess underscore Wix, W-I-C-K-S. And if you want to grab, I mentioned two things, so I'll give you the direct links to those. It's wanderwealthy.com slash roadmap to identify your purpose-driven revenue goals and wanderwealthy.com slash workbook to get the online coaches pricing workbook. And if you want to become a money coach, send me a DM. We'll chat about it. I love it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Tess. Thanks, Amanda. If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, you can head on over to shedidaherwaypodcast.com where you can access the entire vault of She Did It Her Way podcast episodes and more information all about how to make the ultimate leap from your nine to five. And if you enjoyed today's episode, I would be so grateful if you headed on over to iTunes and left a review, letting me know what you love about the She Did It Her Way podcast. Until next time, keep doing it your way.